Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Holiday Insights Series, a new podcast series produced by Retail Touchpoints and sponsored by Salesforce. I'm Alicia Esposito, content strategist at Retail Touchpoints. Over the next few months, I'll be interviewing experts and influencers across all areas of the retail world. We'll delve into the latest customer trends and technologies and how they'll impact retailers' holiday experiences. We'll also provide some ongoing updates as the season goes on, so you can refine and optimize your strategies as we head into the new year. Well, I'm thrilled to have Brian Solis joining me today. Brian is an analyst at Altimeter Group, is a digital anthropologist, and author of several books. His latest is X, The Experience When Business Meets Design. Brian travels the world, interviewing business leaders, sharing his research and musings on the latest digital trends and disruptions. He'll even be one of our special keynote speakers at this year's Retail Innovation Conference. But I'm lucky enough to have him here with us today to talk all things holiday. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time after a lot of travel last night, apparently, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it's travel's my middle name, it seems, these days. All right. Well, thanks again so much for uh, taking the time um, just to share your, your thoughts and perspectives on, on what's going to be happening this holiday season. Um, so let's dive right in. Of course, you're, you're an expert on all things experience. You've spoken a lot about what you call the experience economy and how that's really the future and, and key to long-term success for businesses across industries. Because experience is such a hot topic, I figured we'd start with that, right, especially in retail. Um, how do you think brands have historically delivered on experience during the holiday season specifically? I feel like there's a lot of opportunity, but do you think they're really measuring up to it? Well, let me give credit to where credit's due. Uh, the, the, the experience economy is something coined by uh, Joe Pine and James Gilmore. They had a really great book uh, that's still relevant today called The Experience Economy. Uh, that inspired me. Uh, to really imagine or reimagine what the word experience is today. Uh, because it's one of those words, kind of like innovation, disruption, that w- I don't know that we really appreciate. Uh, and, and it's one of those words that's so important we need to appreciate because we're we're going to, as human beings, have an experience, uh, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Uh, and those experiences it, in either direction uh, have the power to become memories. And so they are incredibly important. And somewhere along the way with digital and social media and giving everyone a voice, uh, the idea of experiences have become more, uh, let's just say exponentially more profound uh, in that if you're a brand, you've come up by telling people what that brand is, reinforcing it through imagery, advertising, and marketing. Uh, if you're a retailer, you know, you've, you've designed a physical space to, to sort of reinforce that brand, to interact with customers. Uh, whatever, whatever it is, that brand has sort of been defined and then reinforced over the years. But now an experience is something that someone has, uh, and your brand becomes basically the shared expression of someone else. So your brand is now defined by the experiences people have and share. And that led me to really lead to a definition of experience that I think we could all not just appreciate, but maybe work toward. If people are going to have experiences, what do you want them to feel? And that is what an experience is all about. It's an emotional reaction to a moment. You sense it, you feel it, 
It could be measured in how you react. Uh, and I felt like we took all of those experiences to chance. And when it comes to things like customer experience or user experience or brand experience, none of that was meant really to evoke the type of desired emotions that we wanted people to feel along the customer journey uh, in each touch point. So now, I, I, long story short, I believe that this is actually a time where companies have to really think about what that experience style guide should be and less about sales scripts, service scripts, and uh, brand style guides, for example. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great point. And I think we're seeing, you know, little tricklings here and there of brands that understand that, that it's about, you know, the emotion and, and what customers are feeling. So they're focusing more on community building initiatives, you know, ways to bring people together, ways to empower them and make them feel a stronger connection with the brand, whether that's through classes or, you know, fun events, especially during the holidays, right? Um, have you seen any, you know, specific trends or, or signs of these more emotive experiences, for a lack of, of a better term, in retail that you're especially excited about, like, oh, they're, they're getting it finally? <laughs> well, I spent the better part of 2017 and 2018 interviewing executives who, and, and, and by executives, I mean CEOs, uh, chief digital officers, chief innovation officers, uh, CMOs, uh, and CIOs, to really get a, a sense of what, what are the best doing, and then also what, what are companies, what are retailers not doing. And I'll tell you this, that there are there are several along the ways of, like, uh, Sephora or even even Domino's, <laughs> I, I throw in there because they, they're so fascinating, or Starbucks, uh, in that they're changing the organization to be more experiential. Uh, and to be experiential, I don't mean gimmicks and uh, creative marketing and, you know, for example, Old Navy had a vending machine for sandals. You know, th those are all those are very cute experiments, and and they're fun. Uh, but what I'm talking about is overall digital transformation and the reimagination of the customer journey to be experiential, so that each touch point, uh, whether it's physical or digital, is working toward this grander experience of what what the organization or what the brand wants that customer to feel and how they want to build that relationship. Uh, and that that's few and far, far between, but you have Sephora or Ulta Beauty, who's really coming up uh, quickly in this regard. They have developed full-on innovation branches within the organization and are in the process of building a culture of innovation outside of just, say, for example, digital, where it, where it usually starts, uh, to redesign the business itself for a modern era. Uh, and so to, to answer your question, even though there are nice and incredible pockets of innovation and experimentation, there is very little total business transformation because that's where it has to go, but that's where it is going today. And so I'm encouraged by the progress a lot of these companies are making, but I didn't find, even with the most sophisticated, that there was any one retailer, for example, that had completely transformed and was completely happy where they were at at the moment. 
that that's very interesting. And I agree, Sephora and Ulta are definitely two, two leaders in the space that are starting to make that transition or understand that there are changes that need to be made internally. And I'm so glad you, you brought up this whole concept of culture because I feel like during the holidays, you know, th- there's increased pressure, you know, Q3, um, you know, getting ready to close up the year, plan for 2019 in this case. And, um, you know, they just want to get those quick wins, right? They want to get get that sit, get those sales. They want to release the marketing campaigns that get the people to stores. But once it's over, then it's it's done. So you're talking about full on long term cultural change. So I just want to dig into that real fast because I want to hear from you. You know, based on your interviews and, and your experiences and research, what's really required from that standpoint, you know, in terms of how teams are organized, um, the technologies that they implement, because that that's a pretty big undertaking. You're, you're essentially asking brands to completely rethink and overhaul how they currently do things. And, and I'm sure that that has <laughs> a lot of C-level executives worried for um, just just to be kind and, and you know, you know, high level with, with the term. I'm sure it's a little bit scary to, to some as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you really nailed it there at the beginning around holiday is a perfect example. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a rush to close out the year, uh, whether it's shareholders, stakeholders, whether it's private equity firms that own, you know, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> some, some retail brands, uh, you know, IE Toys R Us, uh, it's it's really about that performance, and it's about that uh, I call it short termism, that the all the all the work, all the effort, all the drives, all the playbooks aim at the holidays, but also quarter to quarter performance, and you miss the window, you miss the opportunity to think bigger, to take that step back, to realize that if you don't give yourself time to find ways to iterate or innovate, you're always just going to be performing in the same cycles uh, and getting not getting very far as the consumer continues to evolve and change or as your competitors evolve and innovate. And that, I think that's the, uh, I call it the fallacy of busy. Uh, you, you just get so caught up in your everyday routines. Uh, I have a joke that I, I try to be innovative once, but I got stuck in meetings all day. I think success is a poor teacher when it comes to innovation, and these are times where innovation is necessary to compete, uh, and yet you still have stakeholders, shareholder, investor pressure, uh, you have quarterly you know, earnings pressure, you have all of these things that don't allow a company to find ways to compete differently, uh, to create new value, which is what innovation means, to do the things that create new value. Uh, and that leads to disruption, which is when consumers do new things that make the old things obsolete. I mean, just look at Toys R Us. I mean, if, even though we all grew up with that, and uh, I, I'd still like to believe I'm a Toys R Us kid, if you've ever walked into a Toys R Us in 2018, it... it it is the exact same experience you probably had when the store launched. Uh, and, and in fact, in many ways, it's probably a little bit more, uh, it's, it's not as exciting as it used to be. There's no toys to experiment or play with. There's no interactive displays. It's just a whole bunch of aisles and packages in those aisles and checkout stands that are ridiculously dated and a customer service process that was just painful. And none of it, none of it matched, say, the experience you would have at Best Buy or on Amazon or in an Amazon bookstore or in an Amazon Go. Uh, and that's, I think that's the point, is that 
is performance is great. Success is great. That's how we measure business is uh, business process and business progress and 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 where where we're going in tr- in terms of true value. But none of this is a cost center, right? None of this is really taken away from value. It might in the short term, but not in the long term. You know, your consumer is changing. I think there's an interesting stat I read recently. It's like something like eighty percent. Or 73% of customers say Amazon has absolutely changed the way that they shop. Uh, and yet you want them to come into your store or you want them to shop your site. Uh, but you're not willing to do the things that cater to them. I, I always say that you also compete with Uber or Lyft or Airbnb uh, or any app or service that is completely integrated and personalized and <clears throat> experiential, uh, that's intuitive, that all of these things become the new standard for experience. And yet when you go to, I don't know, I, I, I have a, a, a certain a certain site that I, uh, I like to hit quite often that everybody knows it's one of the most famous brands in the world, but I just can't as a customer stand the e-commerce experience because I still feel like I'm in 1999. Uh, and you'd think at some point that that e-commerce experience would, would, not, would be less of a digital catalog and more of a real-time immersive experience that starts to mimic the UI and the experiences that I have with other awesome apps. So I don't know, it's a lot there to unpack, but that's it. This is that if you want to compete, if you want to create long-term value, then compete because your customer is being enticed and also reconditioned to do things differently. And that's where culture comes in is that it is the number one in all of my research. It's the number one inhibitor to innovation. And it's also the number one catalyst when it's empowered and activated to innovation. Got it. Yeah, that that's fascinating, Brian. And like you said, a lot to, to unpack there. And I feel like we can go on for hours just talking about this very topic. But um, I, I want to go back to that point you brought up about, you know, how a lot of retailers, their mobile experiences are, are like they're still stuck in 1999, right? Very, um, you know, one dimensional, just, you know, reiteration of the catalog. And um, that you know, retailers are kind of stuck in this cycle of the same old because it's what works and it's what's good enough, right? So beyond that culture point, I think, you know, that that's really, like you said, the foundation to a lot of these issues. Is it, is the other issue that, to to a point you brought up, that they see a lot of this stuff, you know, in terms of experience and, you know, creating those memorable and emotive moments for the customer. Do they just see that as a cost center? And if so, I mean, what, what type of change does a retail organization have to undergo to flip that script and, and just say, no, if, if we want to stick around and drive that long-term value, not only for customers, but for our business, we need to rethink the way that we're prioritizing our spending. Because I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, budget always comes up in these conversations because they do need that budget. And it's it, it seems like it's getting harder for um, retail executives, especially if they want to implement these really innovative store designs or, you know, technologies. And, and um, you know, it seems like there's a bit of a tug of war happening because of what's happening with Toys R Us and now Sears. They're trying to figure out how to balance that um, the financial side with the, you know, we need to in, we need to spend money to make money mindset. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of everything. It, it, one of the biggest trends in all of this is what 
executives would refer to as digital transformation. And it started by moving a lot of the infrastructure to the cloud to be a little bit more agile and modern. What it ended up becoming over the years was something about really how to compete in a digital economy. And that was a bit more enterprise-wide, a little bit more holistic uh, across the organization. Uh, what, what you find most of the time is that essentially companies are operating with these playbooks and these models that were designed many, many years ago. Uh, you know, think about the concept of retail in general, uh, how it, of what it, of how we know it mostly today, uh, as all these suburbs started to pop up and all of these shopping communities started to pop up and, uh, you had the science around aisle design and, and product placement. And so we sort of still, Anytime we think about innovation, that that's our center of reference. Uh, that's a lot of these executives. That's their comfort zone, and so new ideas are naturally how do you improve that? How do you modernize that? But you're still stuck in the quote unquote that. Uh, whereas companies like Amazon uh, are so adept at looking at the customer and understanding the customer and being data organizations first and taking that data now in an era of machine learning processes processing that data in ways that lead to little incremental iterations and innovations and then big innovations uh, and they can take those insights and then reimagine what a store is completely like their amazon go experience which is a little bit more like shopping online uh, but in the real world and they have the freedom to do that because they're they're so customer centered they're so experiential they're so fast they're so they're they're so modern that they generate significant amounts of losses and also revenue uh, so they're they they're just born digital i guess is the point uh, so they don't have any of these traditions or legacy mindsets or cultures to hold them back but that's exactly what you're competing with uh, and so locality used to be what everybody was competing for. So if, if if you were in striking distance of where a customer lived or worked, then that's you know that's how you focused on marketing, and then everything else was just what do you do with them once they're in the store. But now you don't. Now, locality is is could be a value add, but what's that experience? Do what's going to make me come into that store, especially in an era of what I call the accidental narcissist, as customers are really focused on <clears throat> their self interest, their uh, what they need in that moment. They're moving so quickly. Their brains are so uh, pulled in so many different directions. They're multitasking most of the time. They're, uh, you know, when you really study the customer journey, you see that actually today's consumers always carrying around anxiety with them because it's never enough. It's never fast enough. Plus, they're also sharing everything that they're doing online and reacting to all of the uh, how everybody reacts to their stuff. So, anybody who can really imagine that customer experience. Both digitally, uh, and by digital I mean specifically mobile, not making mobile an extension of the desktop, but making mobile its own experience because it is its own device uh, for its own types of behaviors. And then marrying that, reverse engineering that for what your space, what your retail space could be and how it could be pleasant, how it could be interactive, how it could just be much more modern and intuitive, that that is where your investments are going because then you can tie your investments to growth, uh, to revenue, uh, to things that actually have an impact on business and business objectives and business goals. So you can still have a legacy mindset of trying to, to deliver to shareholders and stakeholders, but you've got to do the things and you've got to tie those measurements to things that are going to say, look, this innovation is a cost. Yes, it's taking away from other resources, but here's how we're going to 
net return on it and how that return is going to play back. I always believe that innovators and executives need to start thinking and acting like the same way startups and their investors behave because every every investment is tied to some idea of return and it's not just a 10% return or a 20% return it's a 1000% return and that's what's missing in the Sears and in the Toys R Us uh, the the Kmart's of the world is that they're just trying to play off the same playbook and they're trying to squeeze more out of the same stone without realizing that there's new stones to turn over and there's more opportunities. There's a lot that we could learn from customers. You just have to give yourself the freedom and the permission to break new ground. Right, because I mean, to, to the point you brought up earlier, customer behaviors are, are constantly changing and evolving. I mean, I feel like this concept or notion of, you know, mobile being a natural extension of who we are and how that ties to social and how we're, you know, more immersed in this digital way of life and it's in our physical. I mean, of course, that's always going to be present, but I think there are going to be a lot of um, a lot of subtle changes and, and you know nuances that that emerge over time. But I mean, to, to that end, what else are you seeing in, in terms of the evolution of the shopper because i feel like sometimes you know retailers are are, you know stuck in the same mindset of who the consumer was you know maybe two to three years ago you know they're they're just talking about mobile commerce e-commerce store and it's not just customer journeys so i mean what what really do retailers need to know about the customer now especially as we're in the holiday season and there's that increased urgency, um, you know, not only for the retailer, but for the customer as well. I mean, they they have things to do, they have gifts to buy. So it's it's always interesting to see how those new behaviors kind of rise to the top during this time. So if Folks who are listening to this can take a moment to go to briansouls.tv. It's it's a site where I have all of these video interviews with incredible executives who are doing some really fascinating things that answer your question head on. So this holiday season, like you said, it's unique. It's a race. Everybody's going to shop. Everybody goes a little maybe too crazy uh, during the holiday season, but I'm sure retailers love that. And uh, who doesn't like getting gifts? But there's a that it's sort of unique in that you have to try to capture attention. Uh, so what a lot of really smart retailers are doing are building out data organizations. Uh, and this is really interesting because it, it, think of it think of it as data as a service. Today, organizations have data. It's siloed just like the way that companies are siloed, which is why the customer journey is so broken because it's all disconnected uh, and discombobulated and there's no collaboration. and so it, but there is no center of reference for data. Uh, so these organizations are fixing the data sourcing problem. They're collecting the data. They're cleaning the data. They're realizing that they need uh, – there's a million um, a million points of uh, interest from mobile signals. Actually, in fact, these leaders in innovation uh, are actually hyper-focusing on the mobile customer, to be honest. And that is simply because we're all mobile, uh, and it's counterintuitive, but they're all – they only have so many – resources and so they're going to focus it where they feel like they're going to get the greatest return and so they're taking all of this data and they're building a data team around it to to clean it to process it to feed it uh, and then to 
extract insights from it and then plug those insights into everywhere where it needs to be done. So a lot of it, for example, during the holiday season is going to be focused at top of the funnel. How do we get someone's attention? What are they searching for? What are they looking for? What are their behaviors? What are their past preferences and purchases? And then let's trigger all of those things into a machine learning app and apply some AI to it and sprinkle the pixie dust to experiment with getting that attention. That's that's where most of this starts. And, and where even though it usually starts small, but it eventually gets bigger and bigger and bigger is because you're really actually learning about the customer and you're building an organization around ex- executing, uh, whether they're pilots or more formal redesigns uh, around that customer. And where it always ends up progressing to is that mobile signals are, in, are incredible sources of customer intent. Um, and if you have an infrastructure that can process that intent, you can do everything. You could reimagine the customer journey. And what a lot of these folks are doing beyond the holidays, uh, looking at, for example, competing for 2019, not, it's not like the retail apocalypse is going <laughs> to go away simply just, just because, uh, customers are shopping more we we all want to earn their business so what does it take to understand the customer and create a business and an experience that's relevant to them Uh, and so that means that for example uh, a lot of these companies are reimagining the mobile customer journey first uh, since it's something where they could focus and it's usually someplace where they're failing today Uh, but I'll quickly rattle off what my what my research found of what the the best most innovative retailers were doing, and that was constantly mapping the customer journey and looking for ways to create smooth co- cross channel experiences. They were engaging in deep consumer research and building a data organization around that. They are priority prioritizing innovations that target the connected customer. They're investing in formal innovation programs. They are cultivating and recruiting necessary digital skills across the organization. I mean, Walmart has been probably one of the most aggressive in that, in that area. And they're starting to learn how to predict customer trends and behavior. And that's the few and far between are at that level. But that's where it's going. Uh, it's, it's, it's only going to become much more sophisticated. So your level of competition and thinking still from the traditional playbook as, as your competitors uh, are thinking about predicting customer trends and behavior. And there's a, there's a lot of work to do. And there's always going to be a lot of work to do because the customer is not done evolving. Absolutely agreed. So, so to that end, Brian, I know we're coming up to the end of our, our time, but um, you know, to close off the conversation, to put a bow on it, uh, but pun not intended in this case, um, what do you think um, are really the key takeaways and, and best practices for retailers this holiday season that they really need to keep in mind? Because you know, we talked a lot of of big picture trends and, and imperatives, of course, you know, it can't all get done this holiday season. So um, what do you think they, they should be prioritizing now? And um, what trends do you think that they really need to prepare for as we go into 2019? Well, I'd, I'd start by uh, <laughs> downloading that retail, uh, I think it's called the uh, Trends in, in retail innovation, uh, and you can just Google my name around. It's free. It's a free download because it really shares point by point exactly what what all of these companies are doing and where they're starting. And I'd also read uh, any anything, uh, for example, like the six stages of digital transformation that I wrote. That's also free to download. Uh, but take it a step back because. This is really about transforming your business and how you think about what your role in that business is. Is that 
you could have a mobile app, you could have a mobile site, you can do, you could increase uh, sales iteratively simply by getting to know the customer and, and having better content, better marketing, a better click path. There's so many places where to start, but I think where most really, really get into the weeds is getting customer data and, in parallel, uh, studying the customer journey. And don't don't try to take on too much this holiday season by studying the entire journey. A good place to start is by looking at the mobile journey specifically, because it is so data rich, signal rich, uh, focused, and you can find out everything. What are people asking? Where are they going? What apps do they use? What do they love? Uh, and those things can lead to the types of insights that might start small, but they quickly snowball into bigger things because you can't, you actually start seeing everything that you've been missing before. And the nice thing about mobile is that you can turn little wins uh, into quick wins, and everybody loves a win. And it's something that everybody can rally behind in order to gain momentum and support at the executive level to expand that mobile work. Fantastic, Brian. Well, thanks again so much for taking the time out. And to all our listeners, we're actually going to um, share links to those reports that Brian mentioned in the show notes. So you can easily access those and continue your your learning and planning for 2019. Brian, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. You're, you're always our go-to um, when it comes to retail innovation, customer experience. And we're really excited to have you speak at the 2019 Retail Innovation Conference. Um, but thank you again so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me today and talk all things holiday. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Holiday Insights Series. Our conversation today only scratches the surface of all the opportunities retailers have to surprise and delight customers during this magical time of year. And if you're looking for more holiday insights, just visit our podcast hub or the Salesforce Holiday Resource page, which are linked in the show notes.